Time. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning online. This is normally the time when I would say to someone, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say hello? But I'm just conscious if you do that, you might give them something like I think a few people last week did as well. And so um, if you are here with us today, it is brilliant to see you. I'm not sure about you, but every second or third person that I meet seems to uh, be actually having a, a COVID experience or some other ailment that is keeping them away. But the good Good news is, is that Easter is going to come what may, and we're going to celebrate that. I'm just not sure who actually might be with us by then as well. So really good to have you here with us this morning for those who are here and those who are joining online um, as well. Uh, Ali and Phil, I so appreciated you sharing your date night with us this morning. It was really good and uh, I would encourage you to um, maybe have another one in the next few weeks as well. Maybe not here, maybe somewhere else and that would be good, very good too. Um, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to uh, talk from a part of it um, from the book of Matthew. And so if you want to look on your, your phone this morning or if you want to go to our app where there's a connection there, or if you have a Bible here with you this morning, Matthew chapter 20, 20 to 28, that's what I'm going to be looking at. But just before I do, cups of water, cups of water. When Jesus arrived here on earth, began his ministry, words that fell from his lips were to this effect. He said, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. God's life, God's rule, God's reign, God is becoming king here on earth through me. So do an about-face in life, that is repent. Change the course of your life and believe this good news for yourself. Appropriate it for yourself and allow it to come alive in you when you place your settled conviction and trust in me. And as people followed Jesus and as they gave themselves to that end and placed their trust in him, it was though God was becoming king here on earth because it transformed something on the inside of their lives. So over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at this theme called cups of water. What does it mean to live a transformed life for Jesus? Even more so, what does it mean to actually practically live that out in my school, in my workplace, in my community, wherever I am? And so we have been focusing on this little phrase that Jesus uses, just a cup of water, a cup of cold water, giving it to someone in my name. It's as though you've done it for me. And so what we've wanted to do is we are trying to rebuild new community and as our communities are rebuilding and as our nation is rebuilding, remind people who desire to follow Jesus and who are to think about being a kingdom, a Jesus person wherever they are and it can be as simple as giving a cup of cold water to someone in his name, an act of mercy and kindness, just like the 3,000 biscuits, just like all the various different ways that you could be involved in that in May when we do our engage time. But what about in between? And so over this last number of weeks, we've been thinking about cups of water. What do you say yes to? But today in particular, I want to talk about what does someone say no to if they want to follow Jesus? And what are the inclinations inside of them that they need to learn to say no to? That doesn't belong in Jesus' life, nor in my life. Well, over... This last six weeks, who would have known as we've done this Cups of Water series, there was an army amassing on the Ukraine border. And who could have imagined, we surely didn't, that actually that uh, those Russian troops would actually hit the button and actually invade. Just two days ago, there was that, that inclination, that story about a bomb that was dropped on a train station and with civilians and tragedy of people losing life and, and those who were affected by it, injured, young people as well. 
and the world wrings their hands and, and we, we gesture to ourselves and it's as though we've been asking the question over the past number of weeks, really? I mean, surely Vladimir Putin could have said no. But haven't we got past that aspect in our world where one ruler wants to take over another land grab and extend their kingdom even at the expense of others? And then just two weeks ago, if you were watching, I heard about it, so I tuned in. There, there was another incident that happened at our Academy Awards. I'm not sure if you've seen the event or even heard about it. But, but there was a comedian by the name of Chris Rock, and he made a, a crack about a medical condition of Will Smith's wife, Jada, about her alopecia, a hair loss condition. And, and for those of you that may have seen it, you may have heard it, he, this, this incited Will Smith and he got up out of his chair and he literally walked up onto the Academy Award, the front stage, and gave this enormous, gentle slap of Chris Rock. So much so that everyone shuddered, but it wasn't just that violent act because he, then he went and sat down, I think equally as violently, he then screamed out at the top of his voice though, those particular words, violent words. Well, just within an hour... He received his award for the best actor, and that was not acting. <laughs> he was unhinged. And, and half the audience apparently stood up and, and, and clapped. What were they clapping for? Were they clapping for all of his work he'd ever done, uh, the train wreck before them, or, or, or was it that half of them sat down because they just couldn't participate in that moment? And the irony of that event was that the Academy Awards is that one time in the year in which Hollywood gets together, they all hold hands and they share the love of making movies and how it's going to be the world's saviour, right? This is their one night of nights. And just in that single unhinged moment, it was as though the veneer had been ripped away and everyone rang their hands again and they said, look, it's there too. So I thought that the day after I would, I would listen to talkback and hear what they would say about this. And sure enough, there was the host and a guest and they were talking about the, the Will Smith incident. And the guest was saying, you know, there is no excuse ever for violent action. There is no justification ever, ever, ever for violence. And the host was nodding and agreeing. You could feel the nod over the radio waves. <laughs> and then they went to that amazing thing called open line talkback, right? Which they only have a second, second delay and they can't control who calls in. Well, the first caller in was a guy. And summarizing his words, this is what he said. If someone made those remarks about my wife, I'd clout them and do exactly the same thing as Will Smith did, right? And it was at that moment that the, the guest and the host had no idea what to say, so they hit that, 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 that sort of delete button. You know the button you have? And then they turned to one another and they said that the guest said, see, this is exactly what I mean. Will Smith does something like this and it just emboldens people all over the world to do the same. And the, and the host said, that's right, that's a terrible thing. And by the way, if that gentleman who just spoke then, you'll be talking to the police soon enough. Is that what you want to do, right? And then they kind of dismissed it and moved on. And I thought as I was sitting there listening to it, I said, you have just missed one of the best opportunities to have an honest conversation about the way in which human, humans are wired, that travels through the thread of Putin and Will Smith into the everyday lives of one another. Surely the question that I think would have been pertinent to ask in that moment is to hold that man just for a little bit longer and say, wait a second, wait a second. Could you just answer me this? 
What is it in human beings that, that when someone does something to you don't like, the first instinct seems to be to react back and to almost repay evil for evil? Why is that? So this morning, young and old, could we just have an honest conversation with one another? Is that okay? Because I want to ask this question. What is it in us? What is it in us that there's an instinct to do that? Why? Because in that moment, they could have asked that gentleman the question and they might have come up with answers like this. I don't know, but there's something within human beings that when they're hurt, they want to hurt back. And that would have been okay. We would have understood that. Or if they had have said, you know, evil begets evil. And when someone pushes you, I have just this instinct to want to push back. I mightn't do a Putin, I mightn't do a Will Smith, but there's something on the inside of me that just wants to react and respond, right? And so, they missed the opportunity. That's the question I want to ask this morning. Is that... How do we actually diagnose the condition that we call what's in us? Jesus, he said it really accurately 2,000 years ago. You want to have a diagrammatic sort of forensic analysis of what that instinct is? Jesus put it this way. He said, what comes out of a person defiles them? For from within them, out of a human heart, comes evil desires and ideas, murder and greed and evil and pride and all those other things. All these evils come from within and defile a person. Jesus said... The issue with our action is that we have a wonky heart, a heart that's inclined to actually do the things that serve itself, and that's a problem that needs to be addressed. The matter is a heart issue. And so what does it mean to follow Jesus, learning to say yes to some things and learning to say no to others? And here we have James and John. If you want to follow with me, I'm just going to read from verse 20, with all of that in mind, what's in us? Chapter 20, line number 20, this is what it says. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. And this is the favor that James and John's mum asked Jesus. He said to her, what do you want? And she replied, permit these two sons of mine to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. (laughs) I'm chuckling because just for a few moments before, Jesus has actually outlined what's about to happen to him as he heads to Jerusalem. The final movement in his, his mission, if you like, to accomplish on earth. And he said to them, I'm going to get to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be condemned by the the religious authorities. They're going to hand me over to the Romans. The Romans are going to condemn me. They're going to mock me. They're going to crucify me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And he said, this is the third time that Jesus has said this. And they have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Why? Because here we have James and John's mother coming up before him and asking, when you come into your kingdom, that is, when you arrive in Jerusalem, when you take over, when your father comes and dwells in the temple and you're established as the new king on earth, could my kids have the left and the right seats of your power and authority? Wow. 
Now, I know that this doesn't involve anyone here in, in the room or anyone that's listening. If you are a mother or a father or if you've had a mother or a father, which is pretty much everyone, um, you would probably never have experienced ever, ever, ever before. So I'm not talking to us at all about a pushy parent syndrome that wants their kids to actually get ahead, right? None of us have experienced this. This is just the only time it's ever happened in history, and it just happens to be James and John's mother. I learned about this in sociology at university. We called it the ugly parent syndrome. <laughs> you see it every Saturday morning at sports events. <laughs> You know, you just go down the road to the netball courts and there they are. The parents are lined up and they are vicariously living their lives and their dreams through their kids because you can see the nature of their responses. And of course, Phil would never know that there'd be a parent who would, who would come into the classroom and say, could my kid actually have the best teacher and have the best of this and the best of that? They would never have any of that. Why? Because we're all so gentle and kind on the inside. <laughs> no, but James and John's mother come and ask for this request. And so the dialogue goes on like this. Jesus answered, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, yeah, 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 we are. At least mum thinks we can, so we will, right? <laughs> See, the cup that Jesus is talking about is a cup of suffering. It's a cup of hardship. It's a, it's a cup that's an imaginary one, but all through the text in the Bible of one that talks about judgment and heartache and suffering. And Jesus says, I'm going to drink that. Can you drink that too? And, and they say, yeah, just naively, not even knowing. And then he presses on and says, you will drink the cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give. Rather, it's for those whom it has been prepared for by my father. Just in a short few days' time, Jesus will hang on a cross and there will be someone arranged for him on his left and on his right. But they're not in some glorious kingdom. They're actually bandits that are hanging there. And he says, my father has actually already arranged it that way. But for you, you might experience the same kind of suffering, in fact, you will, that I have from following me. And then the conversation goes on. Now then, when the other ten heard about this, they were angry with the two brothers. You could just see Jesus, can't you? He's just kind of wanting to ply them apart. Just like we saw a few moments ago with Jesus holding the sons of thunder back. And as he's holding them there, I wonder what they're thinking. Are they thinking, I'm really angry with you because your mum got in first and mine didn't? <laughs> or maybe you just got ahead of me and... and, and, and you made me feel lesser because you were actually wanting to, to usurp yourself over us. And Jesus responds to them. He says these powerful words. He says this, You know that the, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions used their authority over them. That's kind of like the way of the world, the kingdoms of the earth. But I want you to do it differently. I want you to live it differently. I want you to understand something most profound about the way in which my life, my rule, my reign, my economy works here amongst the economies of this world. And if you don't get this, you'll miss me. He pushes on and he says this, it must not be this way among you. Not so among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Because I want you to understand that the way in which the world operates is that everyone wants to be a lord and a master. 
but I'm about to do something for you that you have no idea about in just a few days' time from now. And it's going to be transformative. It's going to shake the foundations of this earth. But I tell you what, if I do it just like the rest of the world does it, it won't accomplish what it needs to. And so I want to say this to you. Not so among you. The tragedy of this is that the history of the church articulates another way sometimes in which it's appropriated power for its own use for the adversarial oppression of others, sadly. And it's not just that. It's across our politics. It's, it's across the way in which all the different aspects of our lives are governed sometimes. It's on our roads. It's in our schools. It's everywhere. Why? Because Jesus said it's, it's an issue of the heart. You see... That issue that Jesus is talking about is more like a disease. The Bible calls it a sin. It's that desire in us to want to rule myself, please myself, serve myself, and call the shots. It's a power, though, before it's an act. And so when you hear these words of Jesus, not so among you, I wonder how you might respond. Because he goes on and he says these words, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that's what I'm going to do. And if you want to follow me, I need you to understand that there's some things that you just say yes to, cups of water, but there's some other things that you need to learn to say no to. Because that's part of my kingdom as well. In fact, you don't understand it right now, but I'm going to go to a cross. And on that cross, what I'm going to do is take on all of the powers. All of the powers of that disease called sin, that proclivity we have to, to want to even get ahead, even at the expense of others. And, and I want to defeat the power of death. And I want to defeat the power of the devil himself. And I want to ransom you from those powers to set you free so you can live a different way. That's what I'm going to do. Would you do the same? See, Jesus, not only has he asked the question, what's in us? His life and his death has actually broken the power and it's reigned over human beings for those who choose and decide to say, I want that Two. You see, some of you might hear the words of Jesus this morning and you say, that's right, Troy, I just need to try harder. If I just put in a little bit more effort, it'll all be okay. I hear the words of Jesus and if I just learn at school to just kind of share my pencils with someone else in a little bit more of an appropriate way, that's okay. If, if I actually just remember that that's the thing I need to do when I'm in my workplace and I'm just wanting to react and just spurt forth things and, and if I can just catch my breath a little bit quicker, that's okay. Or maybe if, if I just work that little bit harder at pushing the edges and, and, and try a little bit harder on the inside out, then that'd be okay. And if you did those things, they would be noble to do, but you would be actually missing the point. If, if you thought in hearing these words of Jesus, that he was just after you being compliant. Kind of like a parent saying to their kids, you know how this works? Kids, I want you to clean your room. Any parents said that to their kids before? 
I want you to clean your room. Would you clean your room for me? And eventually the, the, the child actually cleans their room and the parents go, that's just awesome, that's wonderful, isn't that great? And, and then the child goes, well, I've done what I need to do, I can get on and make my room messy again now. <laughs> but then comes the day, one day, maybe when the child is 60 or 70 years old, they go into their room and they decide, oh, I'm just going to clean it myself because it's a good thing I want to do. And then the parent finally looks at them and goes, wow, that's amazing, you've done it not because I told you, but because you've done it. Because you wanted to. And that's exactly what Jesus did as well. And we have a noise from the audience. Do they want to as well? Yeah, they do. That's good. Well done. You keep doing that. (laughs) You see, sometimes when the disciples followed Jesus, they looked at him and they said, it's impossible. How can we do this? And Jesus' reply was this. You're right. In human terms, it is impossible. But with God, all things can be possible. So this morning, I want to ask you, are there some things in your life that you need to have transformed? Come on. Because the words of Jesus are provocative, not because they cause us to think differently, but because they invite us to ask the question, What's in us? Why is it that I instinctively... And why is it that sometimes when I'm hurt, do I not want to give someone a cup of water, but I want to give them a cup of anger? And the first thing I think Jesus would say is this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my burden upon yourself and find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the point is, there are some things that only I can transform and change in the human heart. And it begins when you acknowledge, I can't. So you have an honest conversation with yourself. Jesus, will you help me? That's exactly how someone comes and enters into the kingdom of heaven. When someone says, actually, all's not as right with me and I can't just fix it myself. Jesus, there are some things only you can do for me that I cannot do for myself. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising. Would you break that power over my life? He breaks one power and then he inserts a new one by his spirit. And it's the spirit that breathes life into the human body. And so that there's something that changes in the human heart. It says the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. He's not asking you to be compliant. He's asking you to be transformed from the inside out. And that comes for someone who's a follower of Jesus When they say, you know what, I understand that my heart has been changed, but it still needs to be reformed. One of the writers in the book of the Bible, by the name of Paul, he said, if by the Spirit of God you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, then you will be rescued. So he knows it's a daily thing. You surrender your life afresh and you say, God, would you fill me up with who you are? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and you've never actually made that first step to Jesus. But just in this, this honest, honest question, you see and you're beginning to, to, to realize that 
his very being and coming to earth is actually to break that power and to rescue and to transform. The recognition that there's a little bit of Putin within every one of us. A little bit of Will Smith. And it's in me too. So Jesus, you might want to say, first time, would you come into my life? I'm sorry, I confess. And now I ask, would you take up residence in my life? I wonder if you're here this morning. And you're holding out a cup of anger to someone. When you hear these words of Jesus, you realize... He's asking me to say no. Maybe a root of bitterness that's held up over years. And you're hearing this, you just, you know, and he's asking you, would you let go? Would you give that over to me and help me to take that cup from you? Because I'm going to drink it myself in a few days, days' time on Good Friday. I, 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 that's why I died too. I drank that cup as well. Would you allow him to pour a new life into you afresh? To hear the words of this song, we might together stand and as you sing, I wonder if you might make it an anthem and a prayer in response to the invitation of Jesus to follow him, to learn to say, 